Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Let me tell you, folks, we are in a special location right now. You know, I mean, if I was in college, this would be, this'd be a dream to be in this place right now because I'd be getting lit. But uh, this is a beautiful place where, again, it's Open Gate Brewery, and I'm so happy to be here. And, of course, we're doing the second part of the special series with Guinness. And I'm so excited to bring this person in. I mean, She's doing so many big things in Baltimore right now. It's like she, she, she on TMZ. Every day she got something dropping. Every day. It's hot. It's hot like, it's hot like that. And I'm like, you know, remember back in the day when Puffy came out with records? He had a mix remix every week. She out in the newspaper a week, but that's a good thing, though. So we love to see, like, like as, as Rihanna say, brush down, break like a diamond. That's so right. without further ado, Ms. Jasmine Norton from Urban Oyster, Urban Burger. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Hey, I appreciate it. How are you? Hey, we here. <laughs> This is your show. I always tell people, this is your show. I'm just here just being, just asking the questions. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know we have my pen and paper with me, but I'm glad it with me today. But I'm going to keep it in memory, though. What do you do with the pen and paper? I try to keep notes. Cause, oh, okay. Because <laughs> you know what? You're going to drop some jewels and gems, and I'm like, I need to make sure I write that down. <laughs> you know how you hear a, a lyric or a song? You're like, oh, yeah, I got to write that down. That was, that was slick. You all, you, I already know. I already know. Right. So, welcome. We're, we're at Guinness. and. Let's get a little quick background to for my audience. What about you? Where are you from? Are you from Baltimore originally? I am originally born and raised in Baltimore. Okay, okay. And so, did you like grow up? In where, where area? What area? Did you city, county? Were you? So, but mostly county. I, I was. I grew up in my earlier childhood in East Baltimore. Uh, so, I, like in the Charles Village area. Okay. Um, and then, maybe about fifth grade, I moved to like Woodlawn. For a short while, and then most the rest of my life was in Pikesville, so I went to Mill for Mill Academy. Okay, so what it was, I always tell people, ask people, what is your favorite childhood memory growing up in Baltimore? Uh, my favorite childhood memory, honestly, so my grandmother, she lived in the city all her life. She lived in West Baltimore, but I loved going to play outside with my friends that I, uh, you know, developed in her neighborhood, and I would always go home, like, every night with, like, 20-something mosquito bites. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I always tell people my favorite memory is growing up, getting going down Lexington Market, getting those peanuts, the peanut yeah. man. And then I go to the 30, 33rd Orioles game, mm-hmm. watch Eddie. And he was like my black superhero because yeah. it was like Eddie, Mer- Eddie, Eddie. If you know anything about Baltimore, that's Baltimore history right there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we are I definitely, I love the childhood. So hospitality injury. How'd you get like, let's start a slide in that hospitality because you know, you got some Banging restaurants right now going in Baltimore. Oh, thank you. All right. You hot. Like I said, you hot like fish grease. You can, come on. We got, hey, we got to get, as the a, as a, as a young kids say, you know, what they give you the flowers. I do props too. So I'm giving you the props to do. So tell me a thank little bit you. about which, you know, first, how'd you get into hospitality food, like industry? And then as far as food, did you like food growing up? Were you in your house cooking with everybody else or how did it all happen? Oh yeah, I'm I'm a big time foodie. Like if I didn't have a restaurant, I'd probably probably be a blogger of some sort. And like, I travel for food. Like I I just came from Miami yesterday. Food 
in Seattle a couple of weeks before that. So um, I, I'm a traveler for food, like near and far. But um, I used to work for an audiovisual corporation, and we worked in partnerships with a lot of major hotel, you know, brands. Um, and so that, you know, innate nature for being hospitable, working in those sort of settings is kind of what, you know, drew me to bringing my love for food and, you know, the hospitality industry and emerging those. Um, honestly, the hospitality piece kind of is first for me in my business um, because I'm a firm believer that, you know, the experience in, the, in that customer, you know, focus or forward experience is needs to happen first because you can have awful food, you can have mediocre food, but if a person doesn't feel appreciated or, you know, well taken care of, then they, they're not, the food is secondary. But when you come and encounter that waitress or that hostess or that, that person at the counter and that's not, you know, in tip-top shape, then they, they may never get, make it to the food. I love that. I, you know, I, I really do. I, I like customer service is all about. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. You know, you know, you feel that vibe when you walk in. You feel that people want to be there with you. Absolutely. And, and they want to help you out. And they want to, you know, that's what it's all about. I'll spend top dollar for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I like that. I like that. So, hospitality, you're like, all right. Hospitality industry, and then you say you like to cook. What was one of your favorite things cooking up when you growing up? Like, what was it one of your specialties? So I always loved steak. So that was like my thing. Like even as a child, I was ordering steak. But I also tried my hand at ordering lobsters at Moe's one time when I was like nine. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember if if my parents obliged, but I I grew up as an only child predominantly, so they may have actually let me, which is why I love seafood now. Um, but also, like, my favorite things to cook when I was younger was, like, chicken marsala and I love pasta. Um, or, like, curry, all those sorts of things, which I still love. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, my parents were like, you getting catfish, lake <laughs> trout, lobster, you better go off the other side of the <laughs> And the closest I got to shrimp was, like, a shrimp, like, a carry out. Or we going to scissors on the buffet. That's about yeah. as far as we went. But because <laughs> my parents like, you know, we when you get older, you can afford that. Tell me how, how it feels and you know, appreciate things. So it was like, oh, it's cool though. So you get in the hospitality industry, you're doing your thing. Like who was there a first restaurant you worked for before you got started your own thing or So I never actually worked in restaurants and um, I had worked in Hotels worked alongside a lot of great chefs, though, you know, like at the Four Seasons or in Times Square when I worked there, D.C. and DuPont Circle. So I was exposed and privileged to to know and and become friends with a lot of, you know, great chefs. And, you know, I wanted to start an oyster bar because I loved oysters and I, I just felt like a lot of them were just way too pretentious for me and my friends for those small portions of friends that I did have that liked oysters. So... Um, you know, just kind of merging those worlds. Um, I wanted to kind of create a less pretentious, if at all, um, oyster bar that, you know, you could come however. The people with the suit or people with ripped jeans, which I love wherever I go now. <laughs> um, so um, that was that was basically where it came from, you know, like kind of wanting to create something, you know, for people that would feel, you know, comfortable and, you know, also address an issue of in the black culture that they are so close-minded in certain instances with certain cuisines. 
Um, and so I wanted to kind of <laughs> like bridge that gap and meet them where they are and like, okay, you don't like them because they're raw and you know, you think they're slimy. So it was kind of like this ode to like the New Orleans style of preparing oysters and it kind of addressed all the issues. So I think we've uh, it kind of made it a religion and converted some people. Hey, that's beautiful. I remember growing up, uh, we didn't eat sushi in the house. We didn't eat any raw fish. <laughs> right. I, my first time having sushi was probably my freshman year of college. And I was like, man, I'm not eating raw fish. We don't eat that here in my, my house, you know. Right. And um, I didn't have oysters until, wow, 26, 27 years old, just because I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of those things that I, that I was brought up on, you know. It was like, yep. you know, you eat fish, that's, you eat cooked fish, you know, you fry hard, you know, that's, that's <laughs> right. what it is. Like, you don't right. even know. And to this day, my parents look at me, they're like, what are you bringing that live thing and swimming <laughs> on, in that, on that plate? So it's always interesting. To that. So the concept of oysters, urban oyster came up and you're like, let's run with it. Like, give us the behind the scenes view of an entrepreneur starting from scratch. Like, give us a little sneak peek because I know... Being an entrepreneur, I know it's hard. I know you're working 20 hours a day, maybe. It's only 24 hours, but the stress, you know, you're dealing with payroll. It's getting off the ground, going to markets. Give us a little sneak peek. Oh, is yeah, certainly all of that. Um, you know, even to this day, I am predominantly everything to my business. So, you know, when you see the post on Instagram, it's me, you know, uh, responding to emails, complaints, or, you know, co- you know, commendations, it's, you know, it's me. Um you know, especially in, as a small business, like you are everything. You know, I have to cook. I am the person that does the schedule, the payroll, the bookkeeping, the taxes, all of those sorts of things. So it is a lot to take on. Uh, I, I I think that it's certainly not for the fa- the faint of hearts, and it's certainly not anything that I would suggest to someone if they're not passionate about whatever it is that they're trying to start a business in, um, because it takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of you know focus and you know a lot of things that you have to give up to to make sure that it's successful so it's yeah it's it's a lot like I you know my days my I don't I don't necessarily have a day off like even you know when I was away recently you know I'm still working um you know you're a counselor to your staff and um but you don't really get one yourself (laughs) (laughs) so it's definitely um you know it's a lot but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, you know what I mean? Like I was all those things for other people in their businesses and, you know, felt under undervalued. So um yeah. So what was your first big gig doing like like when you got to the farmers market or when you got your name out there in Baltimore? People like start to start taking notice about who you, what your business is all about. I think it was a combination of things, to be honest with you. Um, I think it was definitely the farmer's markets. Um, so our very first farmer's market was actually the Fells Point Farmer's Market, and that was the year that they had gotten relocated to, like, off the, the square, and it was not the greatest for us. But So we did a lot of festivals also. Um, I think the festivals is really, really what did it for us because it allowed us to go into different communities rather than being stationary. And so, you know, we got to kind of just drop in on a lot of different, you know, communities in the city, Um, but also our house for sure. Like our house was the place that really, really made it um, a big deal for us because it was something that we could do consistently, you know, for like a week's time. And, you know, that we did it a lot of times. So that definitely helped. Nice, nice. So, you know, we, I know you had a spot in Federal Hill. 
McHenry Row, mm-hmm. and then you left from there and went to do a residency at Hotel Revival. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's, that's a special story I think my listeners absolutely. need to hear, because they, you got to give them a shout out and talk about what happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yes, shout out to Hotel Revival and the entire Hyatt brand. Um, you know, when we when we mentioned or, you know, announced that we were going to be closing our brick and mortar, like Jason Bass, my brother, uh, he was the first person that reached out amongst a lot of other people, to be honest with you. And so many people from the city, you know, wanted to see what they could do because, you know, they thought we were just done, period. And a lot of people see us as, you know, a staple in Baltimore, you know, like a, a true asset, you know, to the city of Baltimore. So, um, you know, Jason reached out and he's like, hey, you know, we have this opportunity. And, you know, I couldn't figure, I couldn't wrap my head around, like, how it would make sense in a hotel. And then I was just like, well, what other option, you know, do I have? Like, what, what, you know, what could I lose? I mean, it's a rent-free opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like, how often do you get to work with a brand of that size? You know what I mean? The Hyatt. And they are reaching out to you to tell you, like, look. Hmm. come over here we want to you know hold you up and we want to keep you going until otherwise Hmm. um and so it's been nothing but support i mean they even you know gave us opportunities you know with their marketing team to promote that we they were there we had the opportunity to feed their guests because they had shut down their restaurant for a little bit um i mean it was great um and now the gm is 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 my is my mentor now one of my mentors so uh dante um him and i grew a very very strong rapport and relationship and i value you know a lot of things that we talk about and so you know now now we're we're going from there but the relationship you know and the love is certainly still there that, that's a great story, folks. I mean, uh, Jason gave me a little tidbit about it on another show, but I wanted you to tell it from your end. Man. Absolutely. And They're I, awesome. I love the perspective. I love it. I really <laughs> do. And before we get to the, the, the meat of it, what did you learn about yourself during this whole pandemic? Whew. Well, on a personal level, <laughs> <laughs> I learned uh, to find balance. Um, you know, like you said earlier about being an entrepreneur and what that looks like day in and day out. Um, I, I didn't know how to shut down or cut myself off. You know, I didn't know how to say no to certain things and stuff like that. Um, because I always say like, I want all the opportunities. I want all the money. And and sometimes, you know, that's just not the way, you know, it should be, or you should function because then you overexert yourself and, you know, the quality of your life and, you know, of your product or your service diminishes with that. Um, so I'm learning, you know, to have self-care days and all of that stuff and, you know, take time for myself. But also what I learned is that, um, you know, being tenacious, you know what I mean? Knowing that I always, I started, you know, knowing, knowing how to pivot, you know, ultimately, you know, I wanted a restaurant, but I I didn't start that way because I didn't have the resources. So, you know, it just kind of broke me back down to, you know, to the beginning with the basics and, you know, just me knowing that I know how to pivot. And, you know, I got to go through my process of being like hurt or, you know, feeling like I may have failed. But, you know, it's so many restaurants that aren't able to to say what I, I am able to say right now, which is that the Urban Oyster is still, you know, alive and well. Some restaurants and businesses have shut down and, you know, I don't know what they're doing right now, but they're not operating. Um, but I'm able to say that I do still have my restaurant. It may not look like what it once did, you know, 
but it didn't start that way, either, so that doesn't mean it has to be over. You're, you're exactly right. So we are at Guinness Open Gate Brewery. Okay. <laughs> now, again, you know, this is the second part. We had the first part with Ryan Wagner and um, we have Miss Jazz Norton, who is the owner of Urban Oyster, Urban Burger, right? Yep. We're going to talk about the burger place. We're going to, we ain't going to forget that. We're going to forget, forget <laughs> about that. So, first of all, what do you, when you first, when you think of Guinness, what's the first thing you think about? When I think of Guinness, the first thing I think about is the fact that they actually decided to come to Baltimore in the first place. I think that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, it's very rare that you find major, you know, companies like that that wants to call Baltimore home. And because I am a strong believer and a strong advocate for Baltimore, that alone just made me have major respect for them. Nice, um, nice. So... When they reached out to you and like, hey, we want you to have your own beer. What did you think about? Like, were you, do you think they were like, is this serious? Like, my own beer? Like, you know, I got... Right. Like, <laughs> what was your first reaction when you hear that? I, I was blown away. I mean, like, I, it was the same feeling I had when I was out of the restaurant one day and, and my, my manager at the time texted me saying that some a producer from Guy's Grocery Game called and I was, are you sure they were calling for me? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, like, the same feeling, like, it's unbelievable. But, you know, um, indirectly, you know, Holly here and I have been in the same rooms together and we both admire one another, and you know, as women and, you know, being, you know, leaders in, you know, our respective businesses. And, you know, we both were uh, recognized as 25 women to watch back in, what, 2019 for Baltimore Sun. So we've always had a strong respect for one another and always wanted to figure out how we could, you know, make our worlds collide. Um, and so it's, it's been a joy, you know, to, to be able to do this with them and Holly, with Guinness and Holly. That's nice. So I, you know, you had a big, nice article in the paper, <laughs> Baltimore Sun. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying Baltimore Sun because we're giving a shout out to John John. Yes. John John and I go back, way back, that's, way back. We that's go my back. Guy. Yeah, he's a good, great guy. <laughs> um, and you know, the beer you're coming out with, is it going to match your oysters or is it going to match your burgers? Or like, what, how are you going to? Is there a combination of it? Or what was your thought behind it when they were like, what kind of flavor do you want? What, do, what are your, what are your thoughts? So it's so many layers to how it was, you know, kind of thought about or conceived. So one, you know, I, I'm not a, a huge beer drinker, just in all transparency. So my, the first thing I said was I would like for it to be, you know, along the taste palette of, of someone like me who's still trying to find their way in the beer world. Like, I, I want to love beer. And I was like, I think, you know, if it could be something like on the sweet side, mm. you know, or something I would, a cocktail I would drink. You know, having those notes, you know, like that. And so we came up with the Urban Tiki. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's exclusive right now. <laughs> exclusive. Com- this is coming out, folks. I'm telling y'all. We, we got exclusives right here. The Urban Tiki. Okay, the Tiki's coming over right now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, the, the Urban wow. Tiki. Uh-oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh-oh. Oh, wow. Cheers. 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 I can smell the pineapple. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let me, let me, let me have you taste it first. Okay. That's good. Just took me back to the beach. Yeah, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Just took me I back to the beach. I might have to be a 12-pack out here. I know it's not out <laughs> in the market yet, but this is delicious. Oh, wow. So this is like a pina colada, basically, That's in a beer. Like. That's what it tastes like. <laughs> That's dangerous. Right. Because you know, if you all know anything about Baltimore, it's hot in summertime. That humidity Absolutely. is going to hit, and this thing is just refreshing. <laughs> yes. I'm this not, is amazing. 
Y'all brought me back to the Bahamas, Jamaica. I feel like all a boss. above, right? Oh, like, well, like spring break again. I'm too old for spring right. break, but you, I go back. <laughs> you don't even have to go. Just come and get you some of this. Well, boom! You just said it right there. You yeah. just said it right there. So this taste, <laughs> wow. So, you, so would this pair good with like a, what type of oyster would this pair go with? So this would certainly be good with. Um, I say like a, a briny oyster or even one that's not so briny. Um, you know, the fact that it's, you know, on the lighter side, like an ale anyway, goes very well with oysters. I mean, beer in general goes very, very well with oysters. But, I mean, we've even played around with the idea of making like a pineapple mignonette and stuff like that anyway. Mm. So it's all in the same lines with, you know, summer oysters, which we overindulge in that in the summer as well. <laughs> um and just, you know, fun. So I, I'm looking forward to this. I know my, my dad is going to be excited, and he, it might be dangerous for him, too, so I have to watch him. Now, I know your dad, your dad <laughs> pretty pivotal in the role of the businesses and whatnot. Absolutely. I remember you tell him the family's very tight. Mm-hmm. And what was his thought when you said dad or that <laughs> phone call you messed? Hey, Guinness wants me to make a bid, collaborate with them. Like, what was that? Rece- I mean, was it like, was he crying with tears? Or he was to jump through the phone, or did you make wait until you saw him? So I think I, I know I told him over the phone, and he was just like blown away. He's excited every day. He's asking me, "Is this, is, you know, when when is it when is it coming out? When is it coming out?" So I mean, he he called me this morning, same thing, and he's like, you know, send send me the information and send me this. Like he he's just always so excited and so proud. He 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 always tells me how he brags his coworkers about me. He's like, the people of my job, they love you so much, and I'm just like. <laughs> it's so funny. Like he's such a proud dad. That's I, I love it. I love family. <laughs> I, I, I love I love hearing about family because it's all about family at the end of the day. That those are the ones who are supporting you. Absolutely. And that you know that day when it's terrible, at least you know you got somebody. To Absolutely. In my family, that's how I started. It was nothing but family. My mom, my dad, uh, you know, my aunt, my uncle, their twins. Like it was when I when we were at the Fells Point Farmers Market, everyone that you saw at my at my stand was my family. Mm. So, and I mean, we're talking. You know, my mom is a retired cosmetologist with a bad back, and she's still out there. You know, trying to support me. You know, in in my dream. So, definitely family. See, I love that because we our lives are a little bit parallel. You're gonna get, get this. My family owned three. Corner stores in Baltimore City, once upon a time. Wow. Two on Broadway and one on Park Heights. Wow. And we were there doing big things. And I remember growing up, I was 13 years old at Cash Register. So <laughs> well, I, I was 13 washing hair. So. <laughs> so, you, so you know what it is. And I'm like, register, like, I'm like, there's no calculator. It's just your hands. You better, there's no back math, backwards math that they got right now. You better right. count that money. And mm-hmm. family was like, this is what you do every summer. You hear, you work. Nine to nine. There was no child labor laws. It was like, you come to work. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, it was family. I learned my work ethic from there. And that's where I learned, guess what? Only we could depend on is us. And that's what's going to help us get through it. Absolutely. Through Absolutely. Which is why my mom's my business partner. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. But yeah, I, you know, all of my, uh, I, I credit all my entrepreneurial spirit from my parents. You know, they've owned countless salons. My mom has been, a, you know, had been an entrepreneur and cosmetologist all my life. You know, I worked in hair salons when I was 13 as well, whether it be... Well, when I was younger, I used to sweep hair. Okay. But then okay. when I got old enough and she could trust that I would wash somebody's hair good enough, I started, you know, shampooing for her. So, you know, I, I was working before it was legal. Um, and, <laughs> and that's why I'm such a workaholic now, you know I what it. I mean? Um, but 
again, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I, it's hard work. It's, you know, it's lots of ups and, ups and downs, especially right now. But, you know, just to be able to have control of my narrative and my future and my destiny is, is all, you know, all worth it. And when you came out to this beautiful campus out here, what were your first thoughts? When I walked in here, I was blown away. I mean, what were your thoughts when they toured you around, showed you what, how this would start, how start to friends to having your own beer? I felt like a kid. You know, this is like the Willy Wonka factory <laughs> of, like, beer, especially when they walked me over to, like, uh, the, the Smirnoff part with the cans going. I, I mean, I, like, literally did a boomerang of that. And today <laughs> was different because it was, like, laced with cicadas, and I was running, but <laughs> the first time... <laughs> <laughs> the first time I came, it, it's absolutely beautiful here. It's amazing. Like, everyone is so pleasant, so, you know, nice and, you know, just welcoming. Um, it's just beautiful here. Okay, okay. So the beer's coming out soon. Do we have a date yet for a release or not? So we have a tentative date of June 24th. Okay. okay. Which is a Thursday. All right, okay. My yep. birthday's the 25th, so I might slide out here. You should. I might have slide a pre birthday celebration. Hey, you know. <laughs> We, we, I'm vaccinated. I'm good. I can come out here. <laughs> Me <now>. too. <laughs> <laughs> but so with everything happening, you know, right now, Guinness, is there anything, are you guys going to do a pre-party or something like that for you, all your, all your, because you, you have a lot of people following you on social media. Yeah. You got, I mean, you got a club. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're going to bury back and be out here for you. Okay. Support. And you know, that's what's all about. Like, what are you trying to, what are you planning for that big event? You think? Um. So, Everybody's going to come all on that same release date. Um, you know, of course, my family and friends, everybody that's close to me will be there. But also, you know, our followers. This will be one of the first times that we've touched, you know, like the outdoors um, since the pandemic. You know, we haven't done a festival or farmer's market since. So that'll be like one of the first times that we've been outside and grilling again mm. and, you know, cooking outside. So that I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and people just coming up. I'm excited for all the, the African-Americans that's going to come here to experience this beer, um, you know, because just like Oysters beer is not necessarily at the top of things that, you know, that we indulge in heavily. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, all the people that's open to trying the beer, specifically our beer, and also, you know, knowing the, the, the purpose and, you know, the, the benefits of this collaboration, you know, with the Job Opportunity Task Force, um, that makes me feel even even twice as better about this collaboration. That's great. That's great. Uh, the big thing, you know, I did my homework before I came in here, and I was, like, researching, and I came across a show, and I immediately thought about you. And there was a guy that was in New York City, and you highlighted on your story he was giving people oysters to taste them. And it's, I'm not going to say that this is Netflix. This is a Netflix that's out right on Netflix. I'm not going to give you now. I mean, they're not, they're not paying the bills. But, you know, high on the hog. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, guy, or the guy was shucking oysters mm -hmm. for people to taste. And then there was some other, was a, a black man that was one of the biggest oyster guys in New York City back in the day. Mm -hmm. Mr. Downing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I thought about you. Because I was like, you're doing that here in Baltimore. It's so funny because I didn't even know that show had aired until another person that follows us was watching it. And she was like, this made me think of you. And so she's that person, I, I, that was a repost for me. And then someone sent me a message also saying, like, you know, they were thinking about me watching that show. Um, but, yeah, like, I think 
going back to what we talked about earlier, the reason that we, we, we don't particularly have certain things in our food repertoire is because of how we grew up, the lack of access to certain things, and it's just a generational, like, you know, thing. And so, like, my, my whole purpose is to kind of break that, like, you know, like, let's just become more open-minded, let's explore more, like, you know, like how certain people don't want to go to certain countries and stuff like that, same thing with food. I, I, I can't wait to see you at Orchard Festival. I'm, I'm excited. I hope we can get we can do Orchard Festival since everybody's back out. Absolutely. Burger. Let's talk about the burger spot. Let's talk about it. Give me the concept <laughs> behind it. Give me the concept real quick about the burgers. So the burger concept came from an inquiry, a customer inquiry. We, like I said earlier, we used to do a lot of pop-ups at our house in Remington. And um, we have the smoked salmon burger on our menu. And so a customer would... We would get constant, you know, inquiries about regular burgers. And so just before we opened our brick and mortar in uh, McHenry Row, I was like, let's just do it for fun. I mean, while we're waiting for it to, you know, finish being built out, let's just do a burger, you know, concept for fun. And so we did it for a week and I mean, we killed it. Like, it did better than the oysters, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, we got to do something with this. Like, it, it, like, it was crazy. Like, it was crazy. Insane. So when we opened up the burger book, I mean, when we opened up at, at uh, McHenry Row, we kept a few of the burgers on our menu just to keep a presence so that when we did find something permanent, people wouldn't be like, what? what? Right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. So we had burgers on our menu. We had our Bay Burger. We had our Simpleton on there um, and maybe one other. And then um, an opportunity came, you know, before us during the pandemic. Someone had pulled out of going into that space and, and we. We grabbed it up, so, and you know, it was a way to kind of help us sustain the urban oyster because we, we knew ahead of time that it, we would be out of sight, out of mind in a sense, and it would reflect in our sales. So because you know people could come in, you know, to Whitehall Market and you know, come in and order and see us and stuff like that, because that is very much a part of our business model, like being personable, being front-facing, you know, people knowing my manager, Anthony, or my mom, and stuff like that, and knowing that they can come and see us and have a conversation with us, that's all part of the business model, which is not necessarily intentional, but we recognize and acknowledge that it comes with the territory. So because we lost all of that, that human connection, it reflected in the sales, but we have it back at the burger bar. Um, Not to mention it's not as niche, you know, as oysters, and... um, so, I, we're I, mean, I, did, I did do my homework. I uh, went over there and got some for about a burger. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you something. I went to sleep afterwards. That's, <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Which burger did you have? I had the um, Chesapeake one. Oh, the, the, the Bay Burger. The Bay Burger. Good. Oh, you wasn't ambitious enough for the skyscraper, huh? No, I can't do that. Yes, look this tall. I got it. I, 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 you know, you know. I mean, I know it's a children's show, but I'm trying to have dad by summer, okay? Dad by, okay? <laughs> so I'm trying. I'm trying out here, but. You know, we're going to do a little speed round. Let's do it. It's always at the end. I always like doing a speed round. All right. All right hopefully you don't trip me up. No, you're good. You're good. I, <laughs> I, know, I know you're good. Crabs or crab cakes? Crabs. Why? That's just how I grew up. Like, I don't trust crab cakes everywhere. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Even in Baltimore, especially not out of town. So crabs. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, it's the filler for me. Like, what are you doing? Okay, here we go. Flats or drums? It used to be flats. Uh-oh, come on now. Okay, what, what, what And happened? then I switched it because then I really, it wasn't as much meat on the, on the flats. Really? Yeah, it's like all between the bones and stuff. I'm a flat person all I used day, to be. Every day. I, okay, wait, 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 wait. 
Blue cheese or ranch? Ranch. See, here we go. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That's, that's all right. So, I think it f- depends on what, like, what side of, of the city you're from. But the chunk of blue cheese, not the chunks, not the not the, not the <laughs> bootleg blue cheese. But the chunks of blue, the real. I blue like cheese. blue cheese, but I don't know. It's the ranch. Okay, okay, okay. All right. <laughs> Old Bay or Frank's Red Hot Sauce? Old Bay Hot Sauce or, or Frank's? Oh, Old Bay for sure. Okay, all right. Yeah. Your favorite dessert. Mm. My favorite dessert. Mm, that's a good one. All right. It's, I'm not a big dessert person, but I do love patisserie poupon. Okay. Which is in Baltimore City. I like French desserts because they're kind of not, not so sweet, but I also love um, Be More Licks. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, and I got one more, one more. It's always the bonus. It's the bonus right here. Oh, God. What do I win for this? You have to, we got your beer. That's the win. <laughs> I won that before here. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite burger? My favorite burger in the world? Yes. Honestly, Five Guys over Shake Shack. Okay. But, but also the Urban Burger. All right. Well, I, I, of I, I thought you were going to and. West Coast or East Coast oysters? East Coast. You don't like, you don't like, okay. East Coast. East Coast. Your favorite East Coast oyster then? My favorite East Coast oyster, uh, I like Chincoteague. I like White Stones. Yeah. Those those are good. Those are definitely delicious. What inspires you every day? Uh, Leaving a, a, a legacy, you know, creating generational wealth for my family my niece, you know, um, but also a legacy as far as the fact that, you know, we are the first female and black owned oyster bar in the U.S. And, you know, I want everybody to know that. Um, I want us to not forever be that as well. You know, I want that. I want what we started to be the beginning of several other black owned oyster bars, not just female, but, you know, um, but, there's certainly uh, an agenda and a mission that we are known, you know, for being the first and only, but also getting to other places where people can break their their reservations about oysters. Now, uh, will they have oysters out here today that you have your opening? Indeed. Oh, okay. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Folks, it's Jasmine Norton here, okay? She crushed it. Uh, she dropped jewels, gems for us today. As we, as you guys know how I say, I went to church today again. I hope y'all, <laughs> Praise God. I hope, I hope y'all got y'all communion warrior because y'all been blessed. So thank you so much, Guinness, for having us again. Thank you, for everybody who listened to No Picture Dark Podcast. Love, peace, and happiness. We're out. <laughs>